Welcome to the Hypergens Founders Podcast, the show where we explore the secrets behind brilliant minds running successful B2B companies. I'm your host, Alex, and we'll dive into conversations with inspiring founders each week. From garage startups to global enterprises, get ready for inspiration, insights, and secrets behind their success. Stay tuned for engaging discussions on technology innovation and leadership. This is the Founders Podcast. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Founders Podcast. With me, we have the founder and CTO of Revolt, Franco Monsalvo. And then Revolt is a company that helps other companies create profitable digital products by merging strategy, creativity, and technology. Welcome, Franco, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. How are you doing? Good. Doing good. But, all right. So why don't we start with what's the story behind your company and why did you chose that name? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a fun name actually. Revolt was born, I don't know, in 2014, I would say, as a dream. At that moment, I was working at a big multinational software company, and I was working with creative agencies, UPP, GWT, and stuff like that, and with strategy companies like McKinsey and PwC, and I always dreamt about having a company that could mixed what these guys were doing in just one place. And I had a lot of uh, success with them, but at the same time, a lot of failures. And as we were working together, I believe I, I found a way to make this project successful, what made them successful. And I started dreaming about it. I didn't actually found it at that time. It took almost five years to make it. And there's several reasons for that. One of my partners, he was living abroad at the time and we were having very interesting jobs and, and never found the time to, to do it. But the name comes from this feeling of revolting, of doing something completely different to break the status quo into something that is actually meaningful, right? It's not just being creative. It's not just being a rebel, but it's actually, I don't like how things are being done right now. And I think there's a better way to do it. Let's revolt together and let's make it. And that's how the name came. We throw it out there and started resonating and, and, and it became what we wanted to be. And yeah, again, it took almost five years to make it. 2019, we finally built the company and it has been a blast since then. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like the name is very catchy. And I feel like it's always like a hit or miss. Like some people are like, oh, I just randomly picked that name and then others, there's like a meaning behind that. And I think revolution is just something really good because I feel like it's what companies strive for, what people strive for. It's really catchy. And then why did you start a, a B2B service business? What's so interesting about it? My whole life, I've been doing this type of service. As I said before, I started at a multinational software company doing work with Disney, Fox, and very huge names. And at one point, I thought, or I don't know, I got tired of it. Or I thought so. And I went to build a product company, a product startup. It was that time where everyone was doing it, right? You have to have a product startup. And I did that. 
for a couple of years. And then I realized that what got me tired was not doing services or doing B2B. What got me tired was the corporate politics and stuff like that. It, it's where I spent most of my time. I love meeting new people, helping people to solve complex issues or create new products together. That energy that you have when you meet someone that is trying to build this new product, it, it, it's unique. And then feeling that week after week, month after month, year after year, I, I, that's what moves me. That's what motivates me to do what I do. Nice. And I guess, and you guys are based mostly in Argentina, right? Majority of the team? Yeah, it's, it's a very remote team. We have a lot of people in Argentina. Argentina is a beautiful country. It has great talent, both in design and technology. So it's a, it's a very good place to be. But at the same time, we have people in Europe. We have people in, in Costa Rica and Mexico. I always said that uh, talent is everywhere. If you constrain yourself to one location, you might be missing that one person that is going to change everything, right? But yeah, I'm from Argentina. I was born and raised here. I, I spent some time abroad, but then I came back. And, and, and it's easier for us to find people here. Yeah, totally. And for us as well, like initially, we're based out of Bulgaria and we're just like looking for talent here. But then one of our close clients and friends, they mentioned like, oh, we're actually going after global talent. And once we started doing that, it's totally different because now you can pick the best talent pretty much from the world. And I feel a lot of people, especially in the US, they overestimate how good the local talent is and they underestimate how good the talent outside yeah. the US is. Yeah, that happened to me. I remember people in the US hiring outsourcing because it's cheaper but then they meet the people they meet the talent they meet the personality they meet how culturally you know we are we are very good fit with them and they are usually very surprised no it's a good surprise like hey these people is actually good yeah there's great people all over the world right and I guess, how did you identify the target market for your B2B service? So I guess maybe you could also start with what's your guys' main focus right now? Sure. So we focus mainly on, on startups and the small and medium businesses. It was, I would say, it's a chance encounter. When we started, uh, we wanted to serve everyone, right? It's, hey, I like working with big companies and big companies to be a lot more stable. But... We started working with startups. We started working with small businesses and the impact that you can have working with that type of companies, it's a lot more rewarding, right? It's, it's huge. It's, hey, I have a, this a medium-sized agency and I need to create a product that is going to become a marketplace that is allowing me to scale, that is going to allow me to focus on growth and become a big company. And when you do that and you start seeing how that works and, and, and getting a lot of signups and revenues coming in and you see how that's changing the company, how it, the company grows because of that, I don't think you can see that in big companies, right? Again, I did work for, for Disney and, and I did beautiful work with for them, but the impact there, it's, it's not possible. Right? It's okay, you did something interesting, 
but you don't see how that's going to impact the businesses because it's already so huge. But in startups, it's very direct. Okay, we were able to launch the product on time, and now it's picking up. And and one of the uh, the clients we had, they had fifteen thousand downloads in a week, and and that oh. is huge, right? It's well, that's a huge success. And we had nothing four months ago, right? It's from nothing to a, a great success. That's why we started to focus on startups. At the same time, the skills that we have, it, it's a very good match for them because we start with the strategy, right? The first thing we do is to help our clients define the product strategy and the business strategy. And some startups, that's not very clear to them, right? There's this idea of a product that's going to change the world. But how do I get from this idea to the market? It's really hard, right? And 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 what we do first is try to define a strategy. It might not be the perfect strategy, but it's a strategy that's going to allow us to go to market with some certainty and that was going to be a roadmap that's going to tell us, okay, if we do this and this, we know that some of the success is going it's, it's a warranty, right? And then we do the design, then we do development and we launch. And again, a lot of these seed or pre-series A companies, they don't have a, a design team, they don't have a product team, they don't have a, a, a clear branding, right? And, and we can take that and, and make it a reality. And, and that's why that's, that's the, 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 the target audience that we have because it's very rewarding for us and the skills that we have fit very well in, in the need. Yeah, and let's say I'm like a, a startup, right? And I feel like one of the hardest things when, when you're making a product is actually to figure out like, like what's my target audience, what will they need? How do you help them identify that target market? Like, do you guys do like the research for the audience? Do you base it a lot on your past experience? Do you look at competitors? It, it's a mix of that. We do a lot of market research. We do a lot of uh, audience research. We base also on, on our own experience working with a company for over 25 years. We do a lot of competitors research. And, and what we try to do with most of the companies we, we work is finding that unique value proposition of, okay, here's the competition and here's the audience and you're both going for the same audience. What's going to be that value that is going to be a differential for you? What's different in you? And finding that together and then building a product that highlights that value proposition, that's what we do, right? But yeah, answering the, the, the question is, a lot of market research, a lot of audience research, a lot of benchmarking against the competition, and against not only competitions in the digital space, also in the analog, in the more typical companies. And, and it's the whole map of what's going on in this domain right now, and how can we build a product that is going to be uh, different and is going to catch your users' attention. So that's the process that we do. It takes from uh, two weeks to a month depending on how deep we want to go. And, and based on that, we define this roadmap. Okay, this is what we're going to be doing. This is your brand identity. This is your product identity. This is your audience. And this is how we target them. And this is the product we're going to be building to go after that audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in a way, your guys are helping them out a lot on building out the product side, but you're also giving them an idea of how to market it, right? 
Yeah, I don't know why, but we are passionate about building products and building companies. So sometimes uh, we feel like part of that company and we go there and try to figure out if the business that you have in mind is actually going to be successful or not. And if it's not, we're going to tell you, you know what? Hey, you're trying this, but maybe we should go this way because here's an opportunity. And some of our clients, of course, they, they listen and, and, and we try that. Sometimes there's no way to do it, but we always work for the success of the company, not just for building a product. Uh, and, and, and that's why we always say we build profitable products. We won't build something that we don't believe in. We won't build something that we know is going to be doomed, right? Because agencies like mine, they thrive on the success of others, right? If I build a hundred crappy products, there's nothing for me there, right? It's just a, a, a financial transaction, but I will have to go hunting clients one after the other. But if I build 10 very successful products, my agency is going to be a well-known agency. And that's why we take bets. And that's why we build stuff that we believe in. And that's why we get very deep into the business and understanding if this is going to be the right uh, idea or not. Yeah, and I've been talking with a lot of founders about this, focusing on the long run instead of like short wins, where maybe you see a product, like maybe they have the money, but you're like, man, that's not going to work out. They're just going to rip them off versus like actually helping companies succeed, you know, raise more funds, like become public or like just create an awesome product that's a profitable business. And I think in the long run, that will attract like more clients and uh, make you more successful for sure. Yeah, that's uh, the name of the game, right? It's, it's the long game. It's not the short game. If you play the short game, it's tiring, it's demanding, it's frustrating. If you play the long game, it, it's just about patience and doing the, the things right. And then you're going to be rewarded. And, and it may be um, a little bit frustrating sometimes, but the, the, the other alternative is, is, is even worse, right? Hey, short game, it's, I'm going to do... Uh, crappy products, I'm going to be paid for that, I'm going to be jumping from client to client, never getting a referral, and, and that's uh, a sure way of, of failing. So yeah, the long game is, is what I think everyone should play. What makes you guys different from like all of the other competitors in the market? Because there's like a ton of dev agencies, there's a ton of agencies that do UX, UI. What makes you guys unique? I believe that what makes us unique is, is this uh, mix of skill sets uh, that focuses on, on how to make a, a successful product. As you said, there's a ton of agencies. The, the market is super saturated. And, and I think it's also a bad thing for, for, for the clients because they don't know who to choose. You have a million chip companies. You have, uh, I don't know, a thousand medium-sized companies that do the same. And then you have the top big agencies that probably most companies wouldn't be able to to pay for. So the, the market is a little bit crowded, but what we do different is that we focus on the product strategy from the get-go, and that's what's guiding every single decision, right? We have, as I said before, over 25 years of experience, right? We did a lot of work for a lot of big companies and a lot of startups, and that mixture of strategy design and development is not so easily achieved. I've seen a lot of uh, companies fail. Of course, there's 
some companies that did it, but making that mix of, I have the creativity, the strategy and the development and the strategy is saying, why are we doing this? The design is telling me what we're building and technology is saying how we're building that. Having that into just one place, it's not so easy, it's not so common, but it's very rewarding for everyone. I think that's what we make different than everyone else. Awesome. And then I guess, can you tell me like a tool or maybe it could be anything that maybe you or your team started using recently that maybe helped them a lot in their process or maybe it's like super useful to your clients? Anything that comes to mind that you recently saw and you're like, oh my God, it's like amazing. Yeah, I, I think everyone is saying AI right now, <laughs> but uh, AI is something that we have been using a lot, mainly for helping us create content sometimes. I have this idea of what I want the company to say and, and creating a different concept of communication based on, on the different identities that we give the companies. AI has been uh, fundamental in, in, in reducing the time we spend uh, creating content and, and trying some concepts. So it's mainly ChatGPT and, and AI-driven products yeah. are, if you know how to use them and if you understand what they can give you, it's amazing. I don't think every other people is saying, hey, it's going to take my job away or it's going to conquer the world. I think it's, it's a pretty interesting tool to augment whatever we need to do or whatever we need to say. Being from Argentina or Latin America, having a tool like ChatGPT that helps us improve some of the content, make it uh, better and more culturally aligned to the client, I think that was uh, a lifesaver for us. Awesome. Yeah. I know a lot of our team uses Google Bart or Google's like AI, yeah. which I also recommend checking out. I don't know if you guys have tried it yet. Yeah, one of my partners is a big fan of Bard, and he's using it for almost everything. Again, I think there's these tools in, in, in the AI world that they're taking their first steps. I think there's a lot of improvement and a lot of evolution, but also generating some concept using MidJourney or DALI. We did for a client a, a website design, and we needed some assets. This was a, a, a food company, and we needed assets of different Usages, use of the food, right? They sell uh, bread and stuff like that. And we wanted to have very photorealistic uh, images of their bread on sandwiches or, or, or toast. And we used MidJourney to generate these beautiful images that seemed like someone had photographed the sandwich on the tabletop and, and they loved it. It was amazing. And it took us a couple of minutes. Stuff like that is, is going to be amazing. Awesome. And I guess from the product side, I know a lot of people, what they're talking about is in the future, we'll have ChatGPT or Barb, like for very specific industries or use cases. Are you seeing, or are you starting to have like clients or maybe people requesting products where you utilize like AI on top? Have you guys like worked on yeah. stuff like that? Yes. And we are working right now on a product that's using AI for the education system for schools and stuff like that. And, and, and I'm seeing uh, a lot of um, companies going there. There's a couple of challenges in, in that area yet. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, new startups trying to build uh, a specific 
LLMs, so something that you can plug into your product and, and, and train easily, and that, and then it becomes a very personalized AI. Uh, but that's that's expensive. Training LLMs and training uh, AI system it, it, it's a lot more expensive than uh, most companies understand, right? And for middle-sized business, small businesses, training your own AI it, it, it's out of reach right now. And so some of these startups that are trying to uh, bridge that gap, I can create an LLM and train it easily and cheaply for me for my own business. Those startups are going to be uh, a success, I think, in the short uh, uh, future, right? So that's going to expand and make AI available in, in a specialized way for everyone. The other thing that we have been seeing is that designing for AI is also a challenge, right? There's no pattern so far. The only way we know how to communicate with, with AI lately, it's, it's with a, a prompt, right? I, I typed something and the AI returns yeah. me something. But that has a limited use. It, it, it only works for stuff like communication and, and text. But when you need different aspects of how to use AI, that, that model falls short. And what are the next uh, interactions that we're going to have? Very interesting challenge, right? How do I take some of the old ways of interacting with computers and modernize it and start using it with AI in a way that it's a lot more efficient, right? Because Again, today you write something, the AI returns you something, you don't like it, you tweak it, and the trial and error process of getting what you want, which is okay sometimes, but when you don't have the time, people are gonna get tired of it uh, really quickly. So understanding how, how to mix and match the different uh, paradigms and, and interaction models to make it in, in, in a way that it's a lot more efficient I think that's another uh, interesting way that's coming and that we have been seeing with some of uh, the clients we have. Awesome. But then I guess going back to the business, how did you approach to building and developing like your B2B service? Let's say, how did you get to your first clients? Because I know that's super hard versus where you guys are at now, where you have multiple employees. I'm guessing we have a lot more organized process versus when you're starting out. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's interesting. When we started, we used the network we had, good connections, good people, good friends that were referring work to us. And that got us from four people, the four partners, to 35 employees in a year and a half, something like that. So it wow. was crazy. <laughs> that has its own challenges, but we went through all the challenges that you can imagine of a company that's growing fast. As we started to grow, the next level of growth, it's not, you depend on network alone. You need to start putting systems. And that's when we started to define, okay, what's the next level, right? And, and we started doing some uh, content marketing in LinkedIn and Instagram. We started to do outbound lead generation. That has been picking up in the last year we're seeing a lot of uh, good response to that. And we're still evolving our sales department and making it as professional as possible. When we started, we didn't even have a CRM. It's stuff that you need to put in place and professionalize. And that's a process that, I gotta be honest, we're still doing that. It's a process that I think it grows as the company grows. And the different needs that you're gonna have at different stages are going to be 
um, leading into, okay, what I, what do I need to do next? Okay, do I need to hire uh, a salesman? Do I need to hire uh, a call center? Or do I need to put in place uh, webinars and stuff like that? I think the different stages of the company are setting the next steps. And we are right now in that scale-up, if you want, model where we are still experimenting and, and figuring out what works best for us. But yeah, we are trying different strategies. Yeah, it's amazing that you guys grew so much from referrals. You must have had a lot of people that you had like good connections with. Yeah, we we were very lucky there. Awesome. Cool. And I guess like from the other side, what have been like some of the most significant challenges that you faced as like a founder? One of the challenges I faced, and, and, and it's, it's, it's funny that I say it because most people would, would uh, love that, but the uh, growing very quickly, uh, it's challenging because if you don't have the right structures around it, if you don't have the right management around it, it could cause you to lose clients, right? You're trying to deliver at, at, a, at a quality level and you're not prepared for that and you grow too quickly, you won't be able to do it. And that's gonna be fixing stuff as you go it's a lot harder than planning beforehand. Another challenge that we had is this, right? When we started, it was very easy to grow and refer us. We had a network. It wasn't a huge network, but it was it was a good one. And it gave us good clients to, to begin and to grow. But as that network started to dry up in a way, hey, I don't know anyone else. <laughs> all, the, all the clients that we were working with, a lot of them were small businesses or, or medium-sized businesses that didn't have a, a, a big enough network, as that started to dry up, we were thrown into the abyss because we didn't have any other strategy. We didn't have any other tools because we hadn't needed, right? We were like, I don't know what to do with so many clients. <laughs> that was the first year was like, I, I cannot take on any new client. I, I won't be able to deliver. And then the clients that we finished finished the product and the project, we needed new clients and they weren't there. So again, trying to build a sales pipeline from the ground up as you need to perform, that's a huge challenge. And that was, I think, the, the learning of my lifetime was never stop building your pipeline. Never, ever stop. There's never uh, too too many clients. That, that doesn't exist. So... That was, I think, our biggest challenge. It took us almost a year to to build uh, a healthy pipeline. Because again, recession oh. kicked in, pandemics. It was not the best time to build a pipeline. So it, it took us uh, a lot longer than we expected. Yeah, totally. And I think that's for every business. Initially, when you start out, it's normally always a lot of like referrals or maybe like some other source, but we always need to, especially as we're growing, diversify the different pipelines. Like you said, have inbound, outbound referrals, because you also never know. You might have something that's working today and tomorrow Google Ads is like, remove third party cookies or whatever, or the ad spend goes up and you need to focus on something else, right? Yep. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's something that we all see because we see it too, right? And sometimes you see the leads and you don't see the after effect, like let's say a month or two afterwards, like depending on how long your sales cycle is and whatnot. Yeah, totally. The sales cycle is going to change depending on length is going to depend on if it's a referral, that sale is going to be closed a lot sooner, right? But if you're doing outbound, that's going to take a lot longer because you need to build trust in the person. You need to teach them. You need to gain them to your way of thinking. So that takes a lot longer. So again, if you stop doing that because you have a lot of clients, when you start that again, better than I did, right? Outbound takes time. It's a couple months before you start getting responses and when you get responses, that's when the game begins, right? And that's when you need to build a trust and win the prospect. And that takes time. So it's going to be a couple, three, four, six months before you actually get some results. So if you stop, that's going to be always more and more time before you, you close the deal. As you said, you need to have several pipelines, and several strategies, because you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work today. Oh, yeah. And I guess, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs looking to enter like uh, the B2B service or even the SaaS market? Let's say they're looking to create their product or maybe even they got funding or they have the capital. They're just like, how do I like, yeah, build my next SaaS? Like, what should I be focusing on? So I think there's a couple pieces of advice. One would be take your time to think the strategy through. Because if you don't do that, you might be spending a lot of money in the in the wrong direction. That go fast and break things uh, mentality that we had in, in the last decade, uh, it's no longer relevant because there's not the same amount of money outside. It's not so easy to get money. And investors, they're going to ask you to be a lot more serious with the money and a lot more conservative. So taking the time to think the strategy through and making sure that you have a plan and follow that plan, laser focus, I think that's key. The other one is persistence, perseverance and grit. Building a company, it's super stressful. It's super hard because no matter what space you are, you're going to have to do a lot of work. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to lose a lot more than you win, at least when you're beginning. So it's not for the faint of heart, right? It's, it's you need to have this personality where no matter how bad things are, you got to keep pushing, right? And, and using that failure as, as the fuel to keep pushing and, 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 and moving forward. The other one is, even if you have to kill yourself working, try not to kill yourself. Try to <laughs> take your time, enjoy the family if you have, enjoy the friends. And, and it's not a life or death thing. You need to, in the end, you're gonna look back at those years, and you don't wanna you don't wanna feel like you you kill yourself for nothing, right? No matter if your business was successful or not, right? So taking time to take care of yourself, enjoy some of the time that you have, and and, and have fun is always useful. And find partners that you like being around because you're gonna be with them. <laughs> A lot. Find someone that you can be yourself around, that you can be very open, that you can shout and 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 fight if needed. But at the same time, 
you can have fun and you know that it, it's good people. Your co-founders are going to be very important in this trip because they're going to be the ones that help you make it or break it. And, and, and you need to be around someone that you like and you like spending time with. No matter if they have, they do need to have complementary skills, but you need to be around them and, and have fun, right? Because you're going to be with them a lot. <laughs> so I think that's my advice here. Yeah, I feel like finding that partner is like finding a partner in life, which <laughs> making a family is the same thing. Like you need someone who you can be yourself. You guys can handle all the bad stuff together. And yeah, yeah, and have fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I enjoy that. I enjoy meeting with my partners. It's funny because we are always shouting and fighting, but at the same time, we have fun and we laugh. We're very passionate about this. And we discuss everything and at, at the level of detail that it's even crazy. But we finish fighting and discussing and we are just laughing about it and, and figuring out what's next. And, and it, it energizes you. It's what you need to have around to make this work. Yeah, and this is what I tell a lot of my friends that are looking to start business as well. It's like pretty much almost every company almost i would say like 89 like it's always like multiple founders like it's very rare that one person can pull it off there's people like that but even with elon musk like you'll see like there's always like co-founders behind them yeah you need to find the right person to make it work or it makes it a it, lot easier at least it's a very stressful endeavor to do it alone right it's it's, it's too much on your shoulders right and as you start growing you have employees you are providing for them. There's always tough times where you don't know if you're going to be able to pay the salaries. There's always this going after clients, this going after delivery and figuring out that everyone's doing their job right. So doing it alone, when you have the employees and you have your management team, but the frustration and stress that you feel and dealing with that yourself, I don't think that's, that's healthy, right? You need to share that with at least one more person. Yeah, it's always easier. Cool. Yeah, guys, just summarize what Franco said. Get used to failure. Save time for your family, friends, and of course yourself. And then find a partner that you like being around with so you can have fun building out the business together. And uh, you guys can check out Franco at uh, Revolt Digital. Then we'll also share his links below. But I guess, Franco, maybe you can, I'm sure you could probably offer the audience an audit or something like that on their product. I really suggest you guys talk to him if you're thinking about building out any kind of SaaS, mobile app. They have, yeah, an amazing team. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, sure. We are doing this audit for some of our clients, looking at the product and figuring out ways that could be improved, always with a focus on on how to help them be more profitable, improve conversions and improve uh, engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for joining. It was an awesome conversation. Thank you, Alex. It was super fun.